Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Back here on the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. We are calling our shot. We are taking our lines. We are recapping just an absolutely thrilling uh, first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, it went to a playoff. It was two of the best golfers in the entire world, Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth. They were rolling in long par putts on the 17th and the 18th. So much stones being thrown around out there. Uh, they were, you know, just uh, just in the shadows of Manhattan and, and playing under the big city lights. Kyle, man. And then Dustin Johnson just... Uh, uh, he just let it hang out, man. I, I we we've talked about this, and you, uh, you know, the it was all the the rage on Twitter, and you shared it as well. But like, uh, I think the comment was the the advantage of Pro Tracer was that you actually got to see the difference between uh, where Dustin Johnson was aiming and where Jordan Spieth was aiming. Of course, Dustin Johnson leaving himself just about seventy five yards on his second shot wins with a birdie on the playoff hole. Uh man, just just great stuff, right? Well, it it, it was it was incredible. I, I think the the drive in the playoff, it, it's not the shot of the year. Obviously, we've got other uh, the Sergio Pud at Augusta, the the Spieth chip in at Hartford, uh, you know the Spieth eagle at at uh, at Barkdale, but. It might have been the most. It might have been the shot that created the most uh, takes, the most, the most <laughs> angles into uh, just talking about the sport. Uh, DJ's drive uh, on the playoff hall. I wrote a little bit about uh, what it means for the future of golf. I know that <laughs> might be a little bit of a stretch, but um, it, people, you know, wrote about uh, what it means for the player of the year race. People wrote about what it means for speed. I mean, there's just, I, I, I can't remember a single shot creating that many different angles for people to take on a, on a tournament and on a sport. And, uh, as soon as he hit it, I, I don't know when you saw it, Chip, but as soon as he hit it, I looked up and I thought he pulled it off the property. I, I, I didn't know where he was going because up to that point, everybody had just been kind of you know, hitting a fade uh, or, or, or mostly hitting it straight on that hole. It's, a, it's kind of a weirdly shaped hole. Well, he found the rough and, the first time he played it. Well, and, and Speed talked about that afterwards. He said, you know, if if DJ plays that hole straight up, uh, it's very it's almost difficult for him to hold the fairway because of the way it's shaped. And because, you know, DJ hits that huge fade and it and he just he couldn't hold it. And you saw that in regulation on the 72nd hole. He hits it into the rough. He has to lay up actually from like 180 or 190 or something like that. Uh, and so in the playoff, he just said, "F it, I'm I'm taking the I'm the best driver of all time line on this." And you know, the, it's it's humorous to hear him talk about it afterwards because he said he has a 300 cover and that's not really an issue. So I just covered <laughs> 300 and it ended and, up going and, 340, right? Yeah, it was 341. Jeez, <laughs> so stupid. But I think, you know, I was talking to uh, my buddy Sean Zach uh, over at golf.com about this, and, and he said, you know, people are, the drive was great, obviously, but the wedge he hit in was 
pretty unbelievable as well. I mean, he hits it to, to two and a half, three feet and, and puts, you know, puts Spieth in a spot where he kind of has to make uh, his his putt uh, to, to or, or he thinks he has to make it. And he did end up having to make it to extend the playoff and he and he and he wasn't able to. So the whole thing was crazy. I, I think looking back, we're going to remember the drive, but I think I'm going to remember the putt on 18 uh, that that DJ hit to even get to the playoff. It was 18 feet, uh, barely went in. It, it was it was a really really good putt, and uh, you don't see a lot of emotion from DJ, but he he uh, he gave a uh, kind of a a right handed hook that rivaled uh, our Mayweather and McGregor on Saturday <laughs> night. So it was uh, the whole thing was was a blast. That last hour of of uh, of golf was pretty riveting. So entertaining. Um. So to the in. The let's see at the turn is when things got spicy because Spieth uh, started out with two birdies. Then he had a double bogey to get back to even yeah. for the day. And Dustin was just on this par train. He couldn't get the putter going at all. Um, a lot of just, you know, solid two putts, just getting out of there with pars. And then finally, uh, right around the turn when things got going and it really did start to take on that duel. Uh, of course, I'm going to remember the drive, but I... I will just throw for the purposes of the the viewing and the golf drama and how this sets up for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Like to go from uh like was Spieth's par putt on seventeen like also from about seventeen or eighteen feet. It felt like they were both about the same distance. They both went like two hundred and seventy degrees around the cup and then dropped. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I, I think DJ talked about this. I'm not positive. It might, it might have been a column that somebody wrote, but the way he won is not how he usually wins. He's usually like three strokes out in front when he gets to 18. He he rarely in his wins has come from behind like he did. And I, I wasn't following the live odds um, like we do during majors sometimes. But when Spieth's five up with 13 to go on anybody, really – I, his odds must have been like one to twenty. I mean, it must have been absurd. And then obviously he hits into the water on uh, six uh, on on the par three, which I don't I don't really know what he was doing there. The only thing you can't do is hit it in the water. Just just hit it to the back of the green. He said he kind of blamed it on on the wind afterwards, but I mean, you're five up at thirteen to go. Like I, I don't know that that was weird. Um, but yeah, DJ just let him come all the way back. Finally tied him, I think, on ten with a birdie, and Spieth made a bogey, and then it was uh, it was basically match play from there oh, on. Oh, and out. it was so and much fun. It was it was great. Yeah, rarely do we get we talk we talk about this a lot, but rarely do we get two top I don't know fifteen players in a in a big time uh, tournament like that kind of going at it much less two top three players, you know? And so, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the next three events are going to, going to live up to the, to the first one. It's pretty good. So like we talk about, uh, the contrast of styles and when we were previewing the PGA and we were talking about, um, or at least looking ahead to the PGA and, you know, trying to paint all of our Rory Spieth dreams. We were talking about, uh, you know, it wouldn't it be great to have, you know, these two different styles and, I felt like we had that same impact. Like w- that was a little bit of what we were previewing. I mean, DJ is not 
um, you know, he's he's not Rory McIlroy, but it was the same thing. Like it was, uh, are, are you going to buy into the fun? And I guess this is probably what you were referencing earlier in terms of you know some of the takes that have come from that final drive. You know, these are uh, the two like two very opposite sides of the coin in terms of an approach to golf. Like, hey, there's golf has a thousand different ways it can be played, obviously, but like that, it's the like what is it the, the the power versus the mad scientist like how how are you going to define this and are you jumping on board that like what we saw was just a fun breakdown of two very different ways to be one of the best players in the world yeah i you know there are a lot of a lot of takes with a z with a hashtag and a z with, with maybe um, a and e flipped too or maybe <laughs> like a typo in there uh you know there are there were players that were kind of upset that 18 was the playoff. Well, I think, I think architecturally it, it's a little, and, and this is, I wrote about this a lot on Monday and I, I don't totally know what I was saying. I was kind of just trying to get everything in one space, but you know, other players, Ian Poulter tweeted about this, Wesley Bryan, um, maybe Kevin Kisner was talking about it. Like, 18 is just such a weird hole because if you can carry, if you can cover 300 or I think 310 or whatever it was, you've basically got a hundred yard fairway, hundred yard wide fairway to hit it to. And so it's like, well, that only sets up for, I don't know, three guys, six guys, whatever. And so it's great for those guys, but for somebody like Spieth and Spieth isn't short. I mean, he's like 295 off the tee. He's probably, 60th on tour or something like that he's top you know top third top top half something like that but it 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 felt like that hole was a little unfair so like but again like and i and i talked to rory about this at bay hill earlier this year he was like distance is a skill like do we just try to mitigate distance because some people are good at it and some people aren't. And, and he actually makes a good point because he's a small guy and he's figured out how to hit it farther than anybody in the world. It's not like he was sort of, um, born into that with this body. Like you could argue that DJ was like born like that and you're like, Oh, it's kind of seems unfair. But I think Rory makes a good point. Distance is a skill. And so I, I just, I don't know. There's so many conversations to be had here. And I think the main one that people were bringing up is like, do we really want people hitting 60 degree wedges into 475 yard holes to decide golf tournaments? And I don't know, like it's fun to watch. (laughs) I like watching DJ. I like watching DJ take that line, but I do understand the point of like, is that really golf or are we just going to have a bunch of uh, who, who's the long drive guy? Jamie, uh, Jamie Sedlowski, I think is his name. Are we just going to have a bunch of long drive champions owning the PGA tour 10 years from now? I don't think that's the case because again, you have to make the, you have to hit the wedge. You have to make the putt to win the tournament, but it, it did raise some interesting questions. I, Dustin had a, had a wedge in his hand for every second shot. Every one yeah. of them. Like that was, it was like, uh, I, I think I tuned in maybe at like seven, I guess, or a seven or eight. Um, it was right after the double bogey, and I just it's like, Dottie, what's he got here? Oh, yep, it's just a just another gap wedge. <laughs> like, like, just uh, oh, okay, nice. Like this is this is like me. Uh, this is this is like playing um, playing from the uh, the kids' tees at like your local 
like goat track or whatever. I mean, this yeah. is, uh, it's, it, but do you, do you, as a, as a, okay. So you're more of a casual fan of golf than I am. Do you, do you like that? Do you dislike it? What, 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 are, what is your feeling on it? I, I don't think that there's going to be enough players that can hit it as far and as well as Dustin Johnson for it to actually become a trend. I think that he is a, I think he is a unique specimen in many, many ways. And that, uh, that's just his way of approaching and attacking this. And I think he even said this after the round, it's like, yeah, well, like I need to have my wedges locked in. And when my wedges are locked in, then, uh, you know, I, I should be pretty good. And that's like that, that's part of it. You know, he's, I, I don't think that we're going to see, uh, all the long drive champions being able to be out there because, you know, you, you it's more than just hitting it far to like to reference your, your Rory says it's a skill. I mean, like what happens if you drive it through the fairway, you know, like being able to hit it to yeah. distances. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, I, I think that like, it also depends on where does technology go from here? You know, in 2000, I looked this up, there was one golfer who averaged over 300 yards off the tee and it was John Daly. He averaged like, 300.2 or something is barely over 300 this year there's 42 right now that average over 300 justin rose is number 42 at exactly 300.0 and so what does that look like in 15 years you know is it 120 that are averaging over 300 is the top guy at like 360 average because if that's the case then start getting into some issues where the and and uh, Alan Shipnuck over at golf.com wrote about this. You start getting into issues where courses are just it's not even it, 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 the, the way that they're played is not even recognizable. Guys are going to drive the green at on number 7 at Augusta. Like is that is that going to happen? It, it I mean, I don't know. Like I, I don't think it will, but it just starts it, it starts getting a little dicey when um you know, you, you see that increase of 40 guys averaging over 300 yards over the span of 17 years. Now, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's an issue this year. I don't think it's an issue necessarily next year or five years from now. But as technology continues to improve and guys get fitter and stronger and, and whatever, um, you know, what's it look like in 2045? Dag, you really are. Is this what we want golf to be? <laughs> Man. I need I need uh, my friend Nick Saban on the mic. I need is I, this what we want? Yeah, I, I need you to have your uh, your sponsored Coca Cola bottle and the local Tuscaloosa dealership logo in the background but, right now. <laughs> but here's here's the thing, and Shipnuck brought this up, and I th- I thought it was such a good point. Like you can argue that this is happening in other sports. So let's take football. You can argue like is this what we want football to be throwing at seventy times a game? Well. There's a way to stop that, and it's by having a better defense. The problem on in golf is that there is no defense. The course provides the defense. And if you don't have bad weather, you, you can only cut greens so short. You can only make rough so high. And, and, and you start – I mean, you yes, you can narrow fairways to 10 yards or whatever, but then it's like, what, what, are, what are we doing? Like this is – I don't know. It just becomes – it becomes silly and it becomes a completely different thing than it's been for the last 30, 40, 70, 100 years. Well, what about when, uh, what was the adjustment? See, you went back to 2000. When, when courses started to tiger proof, was that for distance? 
Yeah, I mean, you saw it uh, early 2000s after after Tiger burned it down in 97. Uh, you saw Augusta add length. Um, a variety of other courses did it, I believe, as well. Um, but guys are a lot longer now than they were even in 2002 or five or or whatever. Um, so yeah, you, you've seen it, but like. I mean, take Augusta. Like, how much length can you add there? Like, what yeah. are you, you going to buy the whole city? Like, you know, the first tees, like downtown Augusta now? I mean, I, it, I no, don't no, know. No, no, it's, it no. It's tee boxes are actually uh, on the previous green. <laughs> you just, like, step off and you're like, okay, now you got to hit it over that bridge and over those trees. <laughs> well, so. and it gets expensive. Like, you can do that at a place like Augusta because they have money, but can you do it at the Houston open or the Zurich classic maybe, but I don't know. And and again, like this isn't, this is sort of an architecturally kind of nerdy issue. Um, but, and, and I think like courses being built now, you, you build a course thinking like, Oh, players like me can hit a 300 yard drive. If I get a hold of one and, uh, pros can hit a 310 yard drive on the regular. And so you start designing courses differently in 2017. So it's not necessarily an issue going for courses that are being built now somewhere like, um, like Trinity forest here in Dallas that was just built. Like it's not, it's not an issue there. It's not an issue necessarily. Uh, I guess it sort of is an issue at Aaron Hills, but my point is that it's the older courses that it affects more that were built for a different era. Yeah. Man, but it could just be a different era. This just could be the game changing too. Yeah, and it might be like I might just be saying get off my lawn and I need to just go away. As uh the NC State course, Lonnie Pool, which is a ton of fun. It's long as hell. I am I am not I am not ashamed not playing from the tips there cuz <laughs> it would just be impossible. Like I would just I wouldn't it wouldn't be fun. I uh but it's also built, but that's built for college golfers who are what 19, 20 years old and better shape than college golfers have ever been before, hitting it farther than yeah. college golfers ever have been before. Um, yeah, yeah, it's oh man, I dang, I I didn't know that I tapped into such a such a big philosophical debate, and we all yeah. we did it all with with the showdown of the mad scientist <laughs> and the athletically arrogant Dustin Johnson. Well, it, it, it just, um, yeah. And, and, and it probably gets overstated at times like this. Um, but it, you do have to think about the future and I thought Jeff Shackelford captured this really well. He wrote about Fred Ridley, the, the, um, Augusta national chairman in waiting. He's going to be ushered in in October. And he, he, he basically said like, there's a lot of I don't know if pressure, but there's people are looking at him to um, see what Augusta's going to do. You know, they've bought this other property. Are they going to? Are they going to make thirteen bigger? Are they going to play a masters only ball that doesn't go as far as as regular balls? But you know what? Oh, wow. What, how is how is Augusta going to lead the way into the future when it comes to equipment and architecture and stuff like that? And it, it's not it's not my number one storyline heading into 2018, but it's always sort of lingering there. It's always sort of sitting, uh, kind of in, in the background. And, and at some point it will be the number one storyline. Um, and I don't know when that'll be, but 
it's definitely something that that people should keep an eye on. A masters only ball. That would be yeah, insane. Yeah, crazy would that be? Yeah, no, totally insane. Because you know, you talk about technology, and and there is that's where the PGA Tour, the European Tour, like the the governing bodies of golf do have uh, the ability to say certain wedges, certain drivers, like they they can deem something illegal. Yeah, I just don't know if. It, and this is where we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think there's so many different governing bodies in the sport: RNA, USGA, PGA of America, Augusta National, uh, PGA Tour, European Tour. It's like uh, who who decides what and who, you know, is it, <laughs> if if the PGA Tour says, well, we're going to play a PGA Tour only ball. Well, guess what? The PGA Tour doesn't run any of the four majors. So then, do you play a different ball at the four? I mean, it's it's incredibly messy and. You know, I, I think that um, I don't know. I think I think those governing bodies are scared of potentially um, decreasing people's interest in the sport. If all of a sudden DJ can only hit it two ninety five, are people as interested in, in watching DJ drive? Isn't that part of the allure of of coming to events and and watching on TV? Um, so I don't know. the The whole thing is uh, it's it's I don't know what. I don't know what the solution is. Jack Nicholas wants to roll the ball back. He mentioned, he said, roll the fricking ball back a couple of years ago at Augusta, which was uh, incredible to hear him say it. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever going to do it. All right. Um, Dustin Johnson, when we were talking early about the player of the year race as one of the storylines to watch in the playoffs, uh, I made the case that most of Dustin Johnson's wins had come earlier in the season that I believe very strongly in recency bias when it comes to these kinds of awards across all sports. And that the fact that he didn't have uh, those, the fact that he didn't have the major wins that a Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas did uh, suddenly made him look like he was running behind uh, some of the others. Of course, Hideki Matsuyama also in the mix there. And then now DJ's in it. How do we handicap the player of the year race now after uh, DJ's win at the Northern Trust? I don't know. I don't know who the favorite is right now. I, I've been thinking about this. I'm going to write about it on Wednesday for the website. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, so you got DJ four wins, including two WGCs, but three of them um, came in March which is obviously a long time ago, February, March. And then you've got Hideki, four wins, two WGCs. Uh, no, Hideki's got, excuse me, three wins and two WG, WGCs. Speed has three wins and a major, and Justin Thomas has four wins and a major. I, 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 <laughs> I guess I'd go Spieth, I think, just because he, you know, w- what he did at the Northern Trust was impressive. I don't know what their top tens are compared to each other, but I know he's got a lot of them. Um, but if any one of those four wins any of the next three events, you have to you have to hit the reset button and, and evaluate it all over again. I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting because usually you have one person here like, wow, a guy had a kind of a career year. Like very rarely do we have multiple guys winning three or four tournaments and, and especially not four guys doing it. I mean, it's, 
it's really crazy. And and I think that, uh, you know, it, it'll make it easier if one of those guys wins the FedEx Cup. Right. And all, all four of them have a great shot. But as of right now, I, I don't. I don't know who the winner is. Yeah, they were the top four in the FedEx Cup standings last week. They are the top four in the FedEx Cup standings this week. Just completely flipped with Dustin Johnson moving uh, from four to one. Jordan Spieth moving from three to two. Justin Thomas, uh, two to three. Hideki after uh, Hideki, not a great performance. What do we think about Matsuyama? He can be, he's, is he going to find himself falling behind in this player of the year race despite entering this week as arguably like one of the hottest players in the world? I don't know. I, I mean, he missed the cut by one. Um, yeah, I, I can't put too much stock into that. It's just, it, it, it uh, the line's so thin, right? Like if you make the cut, Hideki's the kind of guy that can go 66, 64 in the weekend and finish T9. And you're like, oh, Hideki had a great week, but you missed it by a shot. And so he didn't have a great week. And, I I don't know. I, I think uh, I think he'll still be there at the end. Uh, the big thing for him and for all these guys, you got to stay in the top five. You know, we've talked about it, but top five at the Tour Championship, you you control your own destiny. Uh, you guarantee yourself uh, if you win that you the Tour Championship, you you also win the FedEx Cup. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think he'll be all right, but. Not uh, not a great start to the playoffs for old Hadex. So that's that is the you know we laughed uh, about um, it being super complicated and trying to work the math. Like I, I we've only had one playoff event and I'm already eliminating dark horses. Is that bad? <laughs> I'm, I mean I'm just like I'm just sitting here after watching the way that that finished with DJ and Spieth. Like I'm like oh man just give feed it to my veins. Like let's go. Let's keep both yeah. these guys in the top five. You know, and like Justin Thomas, Hideki Matsuyama, like let's 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 freeze and do John Rom at five too. The way that John John Rom played pretty well uh, at the Northern Trust, like this this is exactly what I want. Like, give me those five just as the top five all the way through, so that when they get to East Lake, it is just a just a boat race, a gun show. Just just get out there and get it. Yeah, heavyweights. Um... One of the underrated aspects of the playoffs, which again, too complicated, um, parts of it are silly, but one of the underrated aspects is you play so much golf over the course of a month. So you play uh, four tournaments, 16 rounds, that because the points uh, build on each other, you get you get heavyweights. You get guys that are, you really see separation the best uh, of the best guys in the world. Now, any, any guy can win any single event, but over the course of 16 rounds, it's hard for the um, Kevin Chapels of the world to keep up with the Dustin Johnsons of the world. Not that they can't do it, but you have to be writing a absolute heater to, to be able to do that when DJ is playing, um, I would say, above average golf for him or, or good golf for him, not elite golf, but, but really good. Um, and, and so I, that, that's one aspect of the FedEx cup playoffs that I think is great is, I mean, look at the list of, of champions. It, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, we've had, uh, Rory and Spieth the last two years, uh, Henrik Stenson tigers wanted a couple times. It's not, it's not a joke. And, um, so you see that build over the playoffs. You, you see the cream rise to the to the top in terms of who are the best ball strikers, who are the guys that are that are locked in right now. And luckily for us as fans, it is 
Um, so it's some of the best players in the world. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, um, it's hard for me. We, it's fun to talk about dark horses, but it's hard to see any of them actually winning. Uh, the cream rises to the crop to, to the top. Um, you know, the, before we get to the Dell technologies championships picks, I understand that uh, if you're in charge of hiring for a business, small business, big business, doesn't matter. Uh, finding those best players isn't as easy as finding Dustin Johnson at the top of the FedEx Cup standings. But ZipRecruiter can be right there to help you because with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job uh, not just to one site, but to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day because ZipRecruiter doesn't worry about candidates finding you. In fact, it finds them. So you don't have to juggle emails or calls. Just simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. So you can go on ZipRecruiter right now for, and post jobs for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut, an offer for only our listeners. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Dell Technologies Championship. Um, we're cutting... So we did our first cut was 150 to 100. And is this our 100 to 75 cut? Uh 100 to 70, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um before we get to your picks, do you what are what are you going to be uh keeping an eye on in terms of any players or any notable names that are right there around the cut list? Is there any intrigue or any 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 stories in there that have been jumping out to you? Uh, I think, I think Bubba's interesting. Uh, I got to look this up. He went from, he was like 114th going into the Wyndham and he's jumped up to, is it 72? Yeah. 72 now. Uh, he played great last week. Uh, or he was 113th after the Wyndham. So going into the Northern trust, he jumped up, uh, last week, finished top 10, um, so he could sneak inside that uh, that top seventy pretty easily now. Uh, what is Rory at? Rory's at forty three. He moved up a spot. Uh, Rory needs Rory needs to play well this week if he wants to make it to the Tour Championship because he's only got eight rounds left uh, to do it. Um, he's just I, I don't know. He he talked about it. Um, after after last week he just said my game's not where it needs to be and he just doesn't he just doesn't look that good uh he's not sharp i think he is ready for the off season i, I liked what he said about look i'm gonna take three four five months off and work on my wedges and rest and just get ready for 2018 i i, I think that is I, just go do it now i mean Yes, I want to see him play and whatever, but I I would rather see a completely healthy Rory for all of 2018 than him just kind of getting by and trying to make it to the Tour Championship in 2017. I respect the fact that he's playing. Like, right, he's not, he's not totally bailing on it. He probably yeah. has some, uh, you know, if, if, on some level, I almost wonder if that's like, 
you know, play, playing out the string for like playing out the string for your sponsors is like the new playing for team pride or whatever. Like when you're the, yeah. when you're like the four and seven team that's going out in the rivalry game, you know? Well, and he, he kind of alluded to something like that. I can't remember where it was. I, I saw him talk about how like, you know, sometimes there are forces outside of yourself that, that cause you to make decisions like this. And I don't know if that's sponsors. I don't know if it is um, the PGA tour p- putting, or him feeling pressure from the PGA Tour to, uh, as the defending FedEx Cup champion, show up. Oh yeah, you know, if, he can, if he can. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what that is, but I, I think he's just ready for the off season. And um, you know, but again, he's the defending champ at, at this course. He won it last year. Um, started out. This is where he started out like four over through three, and then just torched it over the next sixty eight holes or whatever. Um, so, you know, you could see him playing well this week or next or whatever, but he's just, uh, I don't know, he's just a little off. And it's funny because his a little bit off is like top 25 finishes every week. Um, right. But, uh, it, which is not the case for most players. But, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I want to see him healthy, completely healthy, and with a sharper game from 150 and in uh in 2018 than he had in 2017 i want to see my man ecu's own harold varner the third somehow go on a run and get up in that top 70 what's he at right now 91 yeah he moved he moved a lot he like he jumped up from 123 and uh and he had the the good showing at the Wyndham to get into the 125 so he's got uh, a little bit of a heater going. I know he said in his uh, post post round little TV time uh, that he's he <laughs> it's it's funny to hear uh, to hear some like candid uh, talk from like a young a younger or like a newer face. He's like, yeah, I just I felt like I wasn't really concentrating on my game enough uh, earlier this summer. <laughs> like, like, damn. Okay. All right. I yeah. mean, you respect the dedication, but that was like, like, uh, and I was like, Ooh, so you were just, you, you had a pretty good summer, huh? Yeah. It, it is interesting to hear from guys like that. I mean, we, we heard it from Kepka earlier this year. He's like, yeah, sometimes when it's not a major, I just don't really focus. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a different, uh, different vibe sometimes from those guys. By the way, uh, Rory from, 100 to 125 yards, 166 on tour in approach shots. Mm. Rory from 125 to 150 yards, 195th in approach shots. Mm. So those are the two spots, and he mentioned this, but that he will be uh, he'll be working on this offseason. Um, we've got how, how are you going to manage your uh, how are you going to manage your eyes with uh, with the Dell Technologies Championship in a weekend full of college football. I know the Pokes play on Thursday. So yeah, you- Pokes play on Thursday, and they play on. Although it doesn't matter the week after because golf is off. They play on a Friday the next week. Um, it helps, I think, that the Dell Technologies ends on Monday uh, because of Labor Day. So you don't get you're you're in round two on Saturday during college football. So it's easier to oh. uh, to to, ma- to manage the channels there. Okay, I got you. Are you going to go to uh, Florida, Michigan? 
Uh, I, not that I know of. Oh, okay. No, I don't think so. Word. All right, cool. I, I've got my khakis ready if I get called on. Them. <laughs> I mean, no one knows the starting quarterback, so I think you might need a helmet and <laughs> just just have a Gators helmet and uh, and the wings on your Michigan helmet, and we'll be. It's so- it's so funny to hear like these these golfers like once college football starts like they kind of eject from the golf season as well like they are they're locked in to college football and pro football and it, it's it's funny to hear them talk about it and Florida well represented on tour Michigan not not so much no uh, not so much I don't I don't know if there's a Michigan golfer on on the PGA tour but yeah I'm ready for college football who who's your uh, who's your final four. I got um, uh, really boring for uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Oklahoma. Mm. Oklahoma, huh? Betting on a thirty-three-year-old coach. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's this all Sooners parlay. That's the idea that um, it goes well for Lincoln Riley, and if it goes well for Lincoln Riley then it probably means Baker had a good season. And if Mayfield has a good season, then I think they can get in. I just, I think the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize itself. When I was trying to pick my final four, I really like Stanford and I really like Washington. And I really like USC. And I think that USC is like two injuries away from having this dream season fall apart. I don't like their depth. Uh, where are they on the road this year? Like, is there is their road schedule tough? They have twelve straight games with no buys. Their bye week is November twenty fifth. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> and they got to play like at Washington State on a Friday night. They've got to play Stanford early. They got to play Texas. Like, it's it's that's a like lot. the uh, that's like the Spencer Levine schedule playing like <laughs> thirty five events in a year. <laughs> Um, Jeez. yeah, I was, I wanted to go Stanford as my, as my extra little dark horse. I mean, I just think it's Alabama or Ohio state. Those two teams are so sick. Yeah, they're so good. Uh, I, right, what about, what, who's your, who's, before we get to your Dell technologies championship picks, who's your, uh, final four? Uh, I haven't officially made it yet. I'm going, uh, it, it's, it, it like, I want to pick somebody else, but it just feels like Bama, Ohio state, Florida state. And then, throw in a fourth so obviously my fourth is going to be oklahoma state got to um rod rod for the teams pistols firing holler yeah yeah me and me and ricky uh i just i i think that the only team that really really worries me in the big 12 is is ou just generally and i just they lost so much. Uh-huh. Like they might be good. They they really might, but I feel like there are so many variables there that you don't know, including their head coach. That I don't know. And and Oklahoma State gets them at home, and I know Gundy's two and ten against them, but it, it just uh, I don't know. It feels like a pokes here. It's the but that Big Twelve championship game could get tricky too. I know. Like, I know. It's just it, it, and here's what's going to happen. Oklahoma State's going to get twelve and zero lose the Big 12 championship and not get in. And it's going to be like, this is, this is the worst. Like <laughs> if they had the playoff in 11, they would have gotten in. If they didn't have the big 12 and 17 or the big 12 title in 2017, they would have got, I mean, it's just, uh, anyway, let's, let's focus on our Dell technology. All right. Um, what do you think about Ricky Fowler, uh, moving forward as we start to look at him, um, you know, he is just outside that top five. Uh, the, the, we, I guess we didn't even talk about it. Like from what you saw at the Northern trust, 
what's the expectation um, and like what needs to happen for him to be able to uh, join that pack at the top like this? Because he is he's a heavyweight. He based yeah. on based on the season that he has had in 2017, he is a heavyweight, and and yet. Like he's only one spot away from that, you know, top five, you know, where, where do you think things need to turn for him? Well, I, he just has to have, I mean, he just, he just needs a top 10 finish. I think in the next couple of weeks, I, depending on what Rom does, I don't think those top four are going to, are going to, I don't think any of the top four are going to fall out. Although if Hideki misses another cut or, you know, it could happen. I, I just, I think if, I think Fowler's going to have a really good week this week in Boston. He won there two years ago. He finished top, uh, I think he finished like 46 the last year. Um, he's just playing so well. He's got nine top tens and 18 starts. That's absurd. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, get a, get a top 10 one of the next two weeks. Get a like a T21 the other week. And I think that'll be enough to, to leapfrog Rom again. I don't know. It just depends on what the guys ahead of him do, you know? Um, but I think the expectation for him is to win the FedEx cup. I mean, you're right there. Like it, it, it you know, you get to East Lake in the top five and then all you have to do is win that tournament, $10 million, $11 million for, for, for winning that event, 72 holes. Um, and I think that should be his expectation. He's one of the best players in the world. He's been arguably the most consistent player on the PGA Tour this year, even though he only has one win. Uh, he needs he needs to get something done. Get you know ha- have a little more to show for your year than just being top three in strokes gained. You know you've got one win, but I- I'd I'd like to see a little bit more than that in terms of production. And he's your top ten lock for the week. Yeah, he is. Just based on his top ten percentage, fifty percent. I mean, that's a that's a joke. Yeah. That's that's absurd. Um, and then I've got uh, Spieth winning. You know, I was thinking about this. Shane Shane Bacon said this on Twitter. He's like, Spieth's definitely winning next week, right? <laughs> and I started thinking about it. Like, Spieth's number four on tour in in uh, the bounce back stat. So that is making a score under par the, the whole after you made a score over par. So basically he makes a bogey, then he makes a birdie right away. He does that so much. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's crazy how much he does. It's like 27% of the time. Um, and I think the same is true of his tournaments. Like his, his bounce back ability at, at events that he just lost in dramatic fashion. You're like, oh, that would be so crushing to lose like that. And I think for him, it's like, I'm going to go win next week just to prove everybody, you know, wrong or not wrong, but just prove everybody, prove to everybody that uh, I should have won last week or whatever. I just feel like that's, I feel like that he's got that thing in him that, that wants to prove that to people. And he finished fourth here uh, three years ago. He's had a couple, like three top 30s in the last four years. So he's played well enough here, and and uh, I think he wins it this week. What's all right? So is there anything about TPC Boston that would favor one? You know, we spent so much time in the beginning of this podcast talking about different styles. Is there anything uh, about the course that it provides any kind of advantage one way or the other? No, I mean it's just. Your typical TPC. I, I don't love those courses. Uh, it has provided some great winners. I, I don't know if that's due to fa- the fact that it's uh, the playoffs and there's only a hundred guys, or if it's um, if it's based on the course. But we've seen uh, Rory twice in the last five years, uh, Ricky, uh, Chris Kirk, and 
I believe Stenson won here when he won the FedEx Cup. Um, so it's it's produced some some pretty big time winners. Um, but no, I, I, it's I don't know. It, it, it's going to look similar to all the other TPCs that they play. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any like super deep architectural takes on but it. But the uh, but the the other thing is that for uh, my dream of just continuing to get the DJ Spieth playoff hunt, if Spieth wins this one. Does, I don't know if the math means he overtakes them, but it, the math would certainly help for setting up the two of them basically locking in their spots in the top five. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. They would they would almost certainly be one and two going to the tour championship unless unless Justin Thomas or Hideki won uh, the BMW. Um, so yeah, I mean. But again, like even if you're fifth, you still control your own destiny at the true championship. So one and two is meaningful, but it's not it's not any more meaningful than third, fourth, or fifth. And you've got uh, a player who was right there on the cusp of winning the FedEx Cup in 2011 as your sleeper, yeah. and I love it. Webster. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's been playing really well. Two straight top tens. Uh, he dropped like, a 65 on Sunday. Yeah, he is. Uh, what is he right now? He's 16 in the FedEx Cup ahead of uh, Stinson, Jason Duffner, Justin Rose, uh, Lou Ustazen. He is just behind Matt Kuchar. So he's been playing great golf. Um, I read something that he, he started to feel more comfortable on the greens, which is a big thing for him. Always been obviously a great ball striker, but... Uh, he's just struggled since they they banned the anchored putter. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think that you know it's hard to find sleepers this time of year. You're right. like, oh, it's the top hundred guys in the world. Like <laughs> nobody's a sleeper. A sleeper. <laughs> but uh, at fifty to one, it's he's he's deep enough that I I felt comfortable calling him a sleeper. Nice. Um, all right. Well, again, don't forget the Dell Technologies Championship. It'll be Friday. Saturday, Sunday with a Monday finish. So uh, as you're coming out of your uh, your Saturday football hangover, take in, come come join us. Come join us and take in uh, all the playoff glory. It should be a lot of fun to, uh, to move on. And then it's the BMW next. Yep. Yep. Uh, two, in two weeks. So they, they get a week off. And then you go BMW, which I think is at Conway. And then Tour Championship at Eastlake. And then I think the week after starts the 2018 season. <laughs> no, they get, they get, uh, I think they actually get like two weeks off. Uh, so When's it's not the that President's big. Cup? The President's Cup's the week after the Tour Championship. Goodness gracious. Yeah, all the golf. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no days off. No days off. <laughs> Uh, he is Kyle Porter. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at KylePorterCBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the First Cut podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your local podcast service because subscribers get the episodes first. Kyle, let's go do it. Playoff time. Keep it up. Can't wait. <laughs>